What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week are Sam Claiborne. Bing. Justin Davis. Scoop. And very special guest, Ryan McCaffrey, host of IGN's Xbox podcast, Podcast Unlocked, joins us Twice today. in one week, Damon. I get to see well, you twice in one week. This is a good I thing. Know. We do our show, Next Gen Console Watch, every week. We just recorded that yesterday. And I want to have Ryan on the show today, uh, not only because he's always great, a great guest, has been in, the, been in the business a very long time, longer than even myself, I believe. Uh, but we're also, since it's uh, we've ticked over to a new month, that means it's time to flip through an old video game magazine. And this week we've got the holiday 2006 issue of official Xbox magazine, an issue that oh, no. Ryan... An issue that Ryan worked on is... is oh, no. I wonder what reviews I wrote in that one, because if it was the holiday issue, that means it was all the big all the big fall games. Is that 360's launch year? No, that was a year into it. six, right, Damon? 06, yeah. yeah. So, but, but that was... That's Gears of War 1, for sure. Gears of War, yep. The big cover story is the world first reveal of, of Gears of War 1. So, cool. That'll be fun to flip through. Uh, but first... Some general housekeeping. Next week is the Game Awards. They're happening Thursday, December 8th, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. And along with the the awards, there's always a bunch of big announcements, new trailers, uh, new games revealed. And you're going to be able to watch all of that on IGN, along with our exclusive pre- and post-show coverage. Uh, so please be excited for that. Oh, we're looking at it right now. Fast on the B-roll, Tayo. Impressive. Uh, that's next week, Thursday 8th. Thursday the 8th, Game Awards. Watch it on IGN. Uh, so let's begin this week before we hop into our magazine. Let's begin with uh, uh, a listener mail. So let's go ahead and check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Listeners, you remember you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at IGN, just like oh. Big Tony Style. Oh, Big Tony Style. Big Tony Style says we're just one month away from wrapping up 2022, but I feel like this has been one of the most bizarre gaming years of my life. The highs were high with the likes of Elden Ring and God of War, but I feel like the year was marred with delays, long stretches of no significant significant releases. You are not wrong, Big Tony Style. That said, there was still more than enough to play, so much that I haven't been able to play many games I want to, like Mario Plus Rabbids, Tactics Over Reborn, and Bayonetta 3, to name a few. I'm curious, as the year comes to a close, what games will you try to finish up in the coming weeks? And what are some notable games you likely won't get around to? So is everyone else still working their way through God of War Ragnarok? Yes. Yep. Still, oh, still I'm, working yeah, my I've, way. Taking my sweet I'm, time, trying not to rush. I have a quest-breaking bug I encountered, and I just have hmm. to maybe wait for a patch to finish that quest. It's not a main quest, oh. it's a side quest. But it's about getting these dogs in a cage, and the dogs just think there's an invisible wall there. And I've insulted everybody who's beat that so far, and they're like, "You're doing it right," but it, they just won't go mm. in that cage. It's the worst. Will you just? Want, can you just move on and leave that side yeah, quest behind? It's a side quest, but I'm 100 percenting at least the favors in regions, so it's driving me a little bit crazy, honestly. Mm -hmm. This is in Vanaheim, which is a cool area. Justin, uh, I finished it. Oh, there you Loved go. It. There you go. What's can you so what what are your sort of like final summary oh. no, no spoiler thoughts? I, oh man, the, this it's hard to talk about it in not spoiler terms because my enduring impression of it is kind of story related and characterization and and this is not a spoiler, but just speaking very generally, like the story kind of goes exactly where you expect it's going to go, but how it gets there is very interesting, and then it also 
I don't know. It also leaves you on your toes and ends in a way. It's hard to talk about this vaguely, but yeah. <laughs> I found that. And it's very, very satisfying and very good. And it's not like, oh, what a twist. I didn't see that coming. And yet you're not going to see it coming. Like really interesting stuff happens. I was very satisfied and thought it ended on just an excellent note. Yeah, I was I was also satisfied. Justin, um, I, I, again, we're avoiding spoilers, but would you agree? I don't really know where the series goes from there. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? Like, it's just, it's very, the storytelling for like big blockbuster video game is, um, you know, The Last of Us is really kind of a risk-taking game, and so is God of War in a lot of ways. So, Ryan, you're still working your way through God of War. Anything else you're trying to like wrap up before the end of the year? Uh, I, you know, I am really eager to dive into High on Life, which is mm. an Xbox exclusive that we're getting in like less than two weeks, I think, mm. from today as we record this on December 1st. So, uh, but I, I, I know I got to get through God of War first before I can get to that. And then there's, I got to say, I, I shot a video uh, about The Witcher 3 Next Gen the other mm. day. Yeah. And that's a game that I purposely didn't spend more than just a couple hours with it back in 2015 because I was honestly just, I knew I'd never finish it being a 150 hour plus game. But I, I don't know, man, I, I really love the Netflix show and I kind of yeah. want to play more of it now that it's going to kind of come back to us as a, as a fresh, you know, with a fresh coat of next gen polish on it. But again, I have no, I have no designs on finishing that game. But I do want to spend some more time with it. So, yeah, it's it's kind of uh, we waited all year for games, particularly if you're an Xbox guy. Uh, mm. And now it's just pouring video games right yeah. at the end of the year. I'm still trying to finish up uh, Return to Monkey Island. Again, mm-hmm. game, it's, it's longer than I expected. It's actually yeah, a pretty do really finish game. it because yeah. I, I a I want to talk to you about how <laughs> how, how the ending goes. Uh, and and number two, it's just the way it ends is uh, it's. I don't know. I don't want to like Justin. I want to be wary of spoilers, but it's it's a beautiful conclusion, and I I, I hope you'll you'll see it through, Damon. I, I'm wrapping up uh, the Golden Keys. I think I've gotten okay. all those. So you got you got some ways to go. Oh my gosh! It already feels so long. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's that, and then I wanted to, I wanted to play Vampire Survivors, which is something Justin has been. Oh, you're gonna love it. Yeah. You you're gonna love it. Yeah, it seems it's like on Game Pass. Game. Check it out. Yeah, so I need to do. Vampire Survivors, Callisto Protocol is out tomorrow. I'll definitely play that. And then the only other thing um, that I want to try to wrap up is I haven't played Neon White yet, and I've heard lots of great things about that. It's but, coming to it's coming to other consoles. Yes, PlayStation, I believe. Yeah, PlayStation. I don't I don't know the time frame on that. We just gave a ten to Pentiment. I feel like we all need to try that too. I, yeah, I put in yeah. an hour or two, and it's it is it's outstanding. It's I just don't know how I'm going to find time to play it. And it's mm. uh, but yeah, it's like if you need something completely different from any other video game, Pentiment is a good choice for that on Game Pass, too. So accessible. It's definitely one I want to try. I'm also I, I, I just loaded up a bunch of games that, that are the ones I'm going to try. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do a little to the left, which is a, uh, a you know, a moving style game. I mean, it's like unpacking. I think it was developed independently of knowing about unpacking with a cat in it. Um, that you know knocks your stuff around, um, and then I have Pokemon. I've played maybe like two hours of po- the new Pokemon, and I also have Arceus, which I haven't played. Mm. And so I'm going to try both Pokemon <clears throat> games. I'm uh, very heartened by uh, the the you know the the version I'm playing. I'm playing uh, Violet, 
uh, that it's like the open world cool Pokemon game. Like it's like what we've wanted for many, many years. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really buggy, um, really buggy and it's ugly. So it's like, even if they fix all the bugs, it's like, what's even challenging this game? I don't really get it. Like, it looks like it looks like they took like half of the polygons out of Breath of the Wild, which I don't really understand. If you're watching videos, it's not even like a style choice, really. I don't get it. But, um, you know, the sheer fact that you can walk around a huge open area and just like walk up to Pokemon that you want to catch because you see them in the wild is super cool. It's just really neat. And uh, I, I think that's just like it, it, it could have a lot of legs if it gets tweaked and then maybe we'll get a. Uh, a remake or a, a reboot of it in 20 years. Yeah, my my daughter's got Scarlet on her Christmas list because mm. her friend, one of her best friends, already has Violet. And, you know, I, I, it got me thinking when I read the review on IGN with all the technical issues, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds aren't probably don't even care that it looks like yeah. crap and runs like crap. It's more, mm. that's that's something that, that adult Pokemon fans are, are going to key on. And justifiably so, by the way, we should expect better from the Pokemon company and from, from the developers of the game. But uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I'll bet kids probably don't even notice or care. Yeah, it does have like, it wouldn't be on shelves if it wasn't playable. Like it's yeah. playable to the point where like, I totally agree with you. Like kids will still like this. I think it's a really good introduction to the Pokemon world. And like, I'd recommend it for younger players and like, I don't know. Like, it's just a really cool way to play an open world game. That's also an RPG. Like I'm just happy that like a generation of, you know, kids are being introduced to you know really cool RPGs and Pokemon this way. It's just neat. It, it feels really cool. It feels like, you know, like, again, like this is what we should have been getting on GameCube, right? Like that would have <laughs> been, a, this would have been a really cool match for that. Well, speaking of Pokemon, let's skip ahead to one of our other listener emails. This is Daryl in DC. He says, I saw the Pokemon floats in the Thanksgiving Day Parade. That somehow got me thinking about the fact that typically those games are released in pairs, red and blue, gold and silver, etc. Made me wonder, is that a successful business play? My assumption is that the business idea here is releasing two versions of the same game with slightly different collectibles in a game where the collectibles are a main part of the gameplay loop would lead to a good portion of the player base buying both games. Is there any data showing it works? That people buy both instead of just one. They've been doing it for decades now, so it would lead me to believe that... There's your data. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it would lead me to believe that uh, that means it's successful. Um, I guess another explanation here is the effort and cost to switch out a few dozen of the Pokemon and the other cosmetic changes is low, so the extra games sold makes up for it. Just wondering if you have any insight in the business of them releasing in pairs and why other franchises have not tried it. Sam? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny to think about other franchises trying it because people might get angry with other franchises trying it but with pokemon it's been baked in from the start so it's just like what's expected but i i was chatting with damon about this a little bit there's some obvious reasons why th there's two versions but one of them uh is trading and and pokemon is you know based predicated on collecting as many pokemon as you can collect them all and when they lock them behind other games that intention there is kind of cool. It's not to make you buy two copies and set your Game Boys next to each other and uh, trade with yourself. It's so that your friend has a different version and you have a reason to trade and play with your friend a lot, which I think is like really, really clever and neat. Um, but like it's 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 been that way for a long time. Uh, I uh, there's 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 it's I'm sure it drives uh, people that need to track commerce numbers crazy, like uh, Justin Davis. <laughs> <in PD. laughs> 
I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's not that hard to, to, to combine them in our spreadsheets. But like, I think that the trading, I, I think it's a little bit hokum. Like, I really love Nintendo and um, I'm not a big Pokemon guy, but I've admired them from afar for decades. I think that those games get a pass for something that's pretty unfriendly to consumers, that it has these two separate versions and you can't collect them all unless you know somebody that bought the other version or you yourself bought the separate version. Like, there is absolutely no reason that if a game has 150 new Pokemon in it, that, that you know, whatever, like every game has 130 of them and then the other 20, you're going to get 10 of them at random. And then the other 10, like you can still facilitate that trading without having a separate skew and a separate scout color and a separate version of the game you have to buy. Um, I think it's, I think it's a little bit gross. And since it's just been that way for like almost 30 years that people just sort of like, it's just one of those things that like we made our peace with or like, it doesn't even, it doesn't even, it's just assumed now that like, of yeah. course it's going to be that way. Like the, the thought experiment that I tried to go through is if it hadn't always been this way, and they tried to do it now, people would lose their minds, right? <laughs> They'd be like, this is horrible. Like, why are you doing this to us? And so, I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's good. Um, I also don't think it's that big a deal because, you know, who cares? Just trade with your friends. But, like, it's, um, it's I wish they just, they, they get a pass just because of historical precedent, I think. Uh, I think the- one of the, go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. Oh, just that, yeah, the, the last point of that listener email is really what I think the, the key is, is, how has no one else tried this? Has nobody else has seen the success, the rampant success of Pokemon, whether, you know, for whatever the reason, whether we just all accept it as like systemic failure that that's just become normalized <laughs> or what? But somebody, how is no publisher, like Activision's the greediest publisher on the planet. How have they not f- tried to find a way to do this like with Call of Duty, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. you can only get these skins or these maps you know, I, I, I'm shocked that no other publisher has really made a, a legitimate effort to to duplicate that t- d- dual skew success. Yeah. So there's been there was some like was there a Mega a Mega Man Battle Network had two different versions. Mm. There's there's definitely been some others, but I didn't get a chance to like you know review enter my mind palace or like look online to do some research. For some reason, I think that that maybe this is super random that I think Mega Man Battle Network did it, but like certainly not, not it's not widespread elsewhere, right? But like I, I think some other games gave it a shot and then kind of walked it back in the future. So the story um, is that Pokemon creator Satori Tajiri was inspired by Dragon Quest Two on the Famicom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's an item in the game called the Mad Cap, which is it's, uh, it's you have a very low chance of. Finding this cap, and what does it do? It, um, it reduces the, uh, the, the cost of casting spells. He really wanted to have one, and his friend found two of them. And his friend is now oh. uh, an artist on Pokemon games. And he, so like back then, he wished there was a day he could like trade his friend uh, one of his items for this, mm-hmm. one, of, one of his mad caps. But that was like back on the Famicom days in the 80s, so there'd be no way to do that. So when he grew up and made Pokemon, that was like the, the like, feature <clears throat> he like, focused on. Another interesting point about just trading and collecting in Pokemon in general is that when you expend the effort to, especially back when in the, in the earlier cartridge days, um, to trade with your friend or, or go you know out of your way to to acquire a Pokemon, it made it that much more valuable that you you know had your your full Pokedex, and I think it became a really clever way to get people to not trade in their games because they were personally attached to their Pokemon in a number mm-hmm. of ways and have their collection. And, you know, there was, of course, also battling, 
And so, like, this is, like, the ultimate, like, don't sell this back to GameStop game. And, like, that absolutely was the case. It was so much un- more unlikely to find a used Pokemon game in, you know, 1999 than it was any other game, which I think was super clever to sell more copies. So, you know, it wasn't just, you know, not only did they sell multiple versions of this game, but they probably uh, sold more just because they sold new copies all the time. And now that you can trade digitally and everything, it's just, like, it's taken off a lot of the pressure you know what the big? I like the idea of trading in person. I like the idea of encouraging that, um, not necessarily you know as a, a forcing people to do it, but like that's the magic of Pokemon Go. Also, it like made you go outside and go collect Pokemon. Pokemon makes you you know kind of go connect with people and trade with people. Like I think that that's something that that games don't have to do, but when they do it, it just makes it that much more connected to our society. And, and into reality and to just kind of like integrated into our world in like a cool way. And like, there's room for that. I don't think that, that there should be a type of game where, you know, every game has to follow the same pattern. Like, I think it's really amazing that Pokemon breaks out of that movie. It was the go, it was the go touch grass game before that became a meme, right? Exactly. <laughs> Justin, maybe you have insight into this, but my assumption would be that what, whatever generation of Pokemon it is, uh, whatever name is first that one sells better if that makes sense red and blue red sold better well uh, oh, violet scarlet that, violet that's, ha- that's true until this generation and that's something that we've been talking about internally here we uh, uh we, we know that uh that just because of basically it's basically search volume that we have that and, and some other things that like uh, that it seems like uh, violet is the, the more, more popular game interesting and, uh, it's Wait, never violet been- is first it's called it's violent and scarlet, scarlet right? Scarlet. The, uh, the, the only one I can remember off the top of my head is that, yeah, sword outsold shield by a lot. Hmm. Yeah, well. usually the first does. Um, something that fascinates me, circling back to what you were just talking about, Sam, is, you know, people don't want to trade in their games. So they have these Pokemon. They can trace back their origin to, I, I worked on a feature, you know, worked oh, on, yeah. but like it, Callie did all the work. <laughs> but like Callie Flaggy and I kind of tag teamed a feature many, many years ago. So you can have Pokemon from the Game Boy Advance, like Pokemon Ruby or whatever from the GBA. And that Pokemon can be traded all the way through various link cables and Pokemon banks and other things into now, into like modern day Pokemon. And it's the same one that you've leveled up and it has its same stats. And like that could have been with you, I don't know how many years now, but over 15 years. And that's that's unprecedented, right? And like we, we, had, we made a chart on IGN that was like, so to get the GBA Pokemon into the DS, you had to put the DS cart in and the GBA card at the same time. And then you could transfer that Pokemon into the DS version. And then, about that. The, and then the DS version had this thing called Pokemon Transporter and then later Pokemon Bank that could get them into the 3DS game. And there's always been a method to like carry forward your Pokedex um, into perpetuity. And like, even though I'm not a fan of these games, like I'm just I'm deeply fascinated by that. And like, I find that really cool and interesting and um, the continuity there. And then it also, it really puts Game Freak in a bind because then they have to, you know, when their games move to 3D, they have to 3D model all of them, right? Like there's there's 1,500 of them now. So like, how do they, like the debt that they take on with each new generation of Pokemon only gets like bigger and bigger. Well, Nintendo issued a, Soft apology for the uh, performance <laughs> issues on Scarlet and a Violet. Software update 
and the software updates. Which we're evaluating today. I'm really yeah. curious about uh, if it, what, what it patched up so far. Yeah. Damon, I wanted to circle back to Big Tony T- Styles' question okay. real quick. Yep. Oh, yeah. Thanks, um, for, thanks to Miyamoto-san for uh, keeping in touch with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Happy holidays, yeah, Miyamoto-san. We, <laughs> we appreciate it. Um, I am probably not going to be playing anything else over the holidays because the only game I play now is Factorio. <laughs> um, I looked at my Steam stats. I don't know how this is possible. I have played 75 hours of that game over the last two weeks. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and that's not like that's very out of character for me. Like I normally like video games are in balance with like TV shows and other stuff I want to do. Like like. I think it's been my way of dealing with like Black Friday stress is just lording over these. Factorio is one of those like conveyor belt games where like, you know, you make iron and then you conveyor belt the iron over there to make another thing and then make another thing and like build this big factory. And I just, I played that game, I don't know, six or seven years ago, like a long, long time ago. And it's got its claws in me so deep. I'm so hooked. Um, And I just, I can't, I, I, I'm probably going to play as soon as this podcast is over. Um, I know that's kind of random, but like, I don't know. Like I had finally have my own office with a PC and like, I can close the door and like, yeah. you know, it makes it, it's, um, it's, a uh, it's a heck of a game. Buy it, uh, at your own peril. <laughs> is it only on PC? Yeah. Well, no, it just came out on switch. Oh, wow. Interesting. I'm going to go back to big Tony Styles question too, and say that I think the uh, riddle subplot in uh, God of war is really good. The riddle subplot. Yeah. The, you, a riddle is told at one point. Oh, one okay. Of the dwarves, I remember. I remember. Then, oh uh, yeah. Right. Then uh, what's his name? Uh, Mimir starts like asking riddles of Kratos repeatedly. And mm. uh, it's a little bit of an arc for that, it, it, you know, inter interstitial dialogue. Yeah. Okay, this is the holiday 2006 episode of official Xbox magazine with Gears of War on the cover, <clears throat> world's first review, and then it says PS3 crushing brilliance. The we weren't wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, but we weren't I'm wrong a, at the time. I'm a little surprised. This is an Xbox magazine. Why is it even mentioning PS3? <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> A little antagonistic, but because I mean, <laughs> the, the PS3 mentality, you gotta you, you pick on the big guy. Sometimes. Well, the, the the 360 would not be the underdog for very much longer. That's true. Uh, it's funny because now Ryan is often a moderating voice when we're talking <laughs> about console wars. It's great. I'm always like Ryan, let's use this headline. He's like, no, 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 that wasn't funny. <laughs> I'm looking at this, and I'm one, I'm looking at the 25 reviews at the bottom, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking. Did I review Rainbow Six Vegas? I guess we're going to find out. Cause <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> it's been a while. Did you use a pseudonym? I definitely didn't use, uh, didn't review Gears of War. I, I reviewed okay. Gears yeah. 2 and 3, but not the first one. Okay, mm. okay. Um, they also have a holiday gift guide and then uh, a feature on whether or not 2007 will be the best gaming year ever. Oh, we were right about that one I mean, too. Yep. <laughs> you were so one. right. Look at that. 2007 is one Nailed of the all-time it. great years. It's true. Yep. Um, oh, and 25 reviews includes three games from Burger King. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah you know I him. love that. You know him. I remember uh, the day I went to Burger King to get them. There is a two-page ad for Rainbow Six Vegas, and I just included it because I just love these two, these two games so much, Vegas and Vegas 2. Uh, I think it's, it's a little bit sad for me that now Rainbow Six is exclusively a multiplayer-only game. Well, what's insane to me is that Ubisoft, this 
Rainbow Six w- was such a big franchise. Obviously, it started on PC. It was a big deal there. And then Rainbow Six 3 really <clears throat> blew up on the original Xbox and was, <clears throat> was actually one of the first huge successes on Xbox Live. Uh, it came in on the a year into Xbox Live. It wasn't there at launch. But you know, you had, and then Vegas comes along on the 360. Again, brilliant game, huge success. They do Vegas 2 in like a year. They turned around the sequel yeah. pretty fast. And then Rainbow Six disappeared for like, I don't know, what was it, eight years yeah, until Siege time. in 2015? Like, it's it's crazy that Ubisoft had this gigantic franchise with such momentum to it. And they just kept like starting up new Rainbow Six projects and like they just weren't getting traction and they kept canceling them. And yeah. it's wild to me when you look back at, at the history of Rainbow Six. In between uh, Vegas, Ryan, would in you between... call this a licensed game? No, <laughs> they owned it by yeah. then. They owned Clancy by then. The the entire brand. Mm. Ubisoft owns Tom Clancy. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's still He's, Tom Clancy he... books and stuff not published by Ubisoft. Well, they they at least own all the video game stuff. I know that. Mm. That's well, that's that an is, interesting can... situation because like yeah. Nickelodeon owns Turtles, so they technically don't license Turtles. They right. Published mm. Turtles. Yeah, no, you no, just you made just it saw... more confusing, Ryan. Thank you. Twenty questions didn't get <laughs> they, any. They easier. can make any Tom. Yeah, in the beginning, they did. They were licensing it from from Clancy and the Clancy Estate, but yeah, they they outright bought the whole all the video game rights a long time ago. Man, well, in between Vegas Two and Siege, they announced Rainbow Six Patriot, right? Right, but then that never never came out. Um, an ad for Oblivion, but what's interesting is that it's for the <laughs> PS3 version. <laughs> <laughs> coming november to playstation 3 that's funny spoiler that was uh i think that, that version was not great yeah yeah the 360 version Sadly. but also i guess Sadly. i guess it was a launch game for ps3 it says i just don't remember that um a little bit of a mention of ig in the top it got an editor's choice award well, and that absolute masterpiece quote from official xbox magazine would have been me because i did review that game for all exam interesting Nice. Uh, the details of what was on your disc, your your demo disc, you had demos for Need for Speed, Carbon, WD, WWE SmackDown versus Raw 2007, Lego Star Wars 2, the original trilogy. So wait, maybe Justin would know. What was in the Lego yeah. Star Wars 1? Lego Star Wars 1 is the prequels. But that's so weird that they started with the prequels. Well, I guess it was coming right off the heels of the yeah. prequels, but... They did the prequels, and then one year later, they did this, and then what most people played was that they did the complete the first complete saga, which was the Lego star Wars one and two combined into all six, all six movies in one game. Uh, no dialogue a, days. Yeah. No dialogue in those. Yeah. All just pantomiming and grunting. Really Demo of the Sonic, the hedgehog would reboot. Is that what it was? It was yeah. That would have been game. that reboot. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Sonic 06. And then fusion frenzy Two. Ryan, did you have, was it just like a whole other team working on this demo disc? Well, our team was one guy, Dave Reese, which eventually became two guys. Dane Fredrickson joined him at, at one point, probably by this time. But uh, yeah, it was. And then we had an external uh, development team that we worked with, too. That Because that, basically every OXM demo disc had to be certified by the Microsoft, by the Xbox mm-hmm. certification team every month so that, you know, they had to test it and make sure it wasn't going to crash your Xbox. When you put our demo yeah. disc in your in your console, so yeah, it was a it was a smaller 
effort than you think from a from a manpower perspective, but it it was kind of it was a bigger effort than you might expect for what we actually had to do to put that disc out every month. Mm. Um, and and honestly, by this time, we the 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 OXM demo disc had had peaked. Its powers had peaked, and we were mm. kind of starting to come down oh, off the <laughs> mountain here because you know because then demos were starting to go on Xbox right. Live. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the yeah. disc didn't, you know, didn't had lost some of its uh its inherent power. But hey, we still had lots of good stuff. I mean, that's a that's a nice array of demos right there. For sure. And and you had more than just demos on here. You had a an OXM Game of the Year 2006 ballot yeah. that people could vote on somehow through the disc. Mm-hmm. You had a that's video cool. video showcase, you had videos for Halo Wars, Call of Duty 3, Blue Dragon and more. A Saints Row blowout, which is like a, some sort of a preview that was on the disc. And then like a, a holiday Xbox quiz, a bullet yeah. witch art gallery. So it's just more than just God, demos. Yeah, we we got we tried to get more clever with it as time went on to you know offer offer more on there. And uh, I'll point out too the the little text at the bottom there, the yeah. in the bottom right. We those we call those bottom fillers. They're on every page, every yeah. editorial page. And I probably wrote a million of those over the ten years <laughs> I was at OXM. Like, what does so, it say? This says to unlock, you can earn 800 OXM points to unlock extra disc goodies. Yeah, we had a little scoring system. But sometimes the bottom fillers ranged from informative to supplemental to the main content on the page to just outright jokes. So that, we, you know, sometimes we were scraping the bottom of the barrel, just like, all right, what do we write down here? Just write something goofy. So Mm -hmm. uh, we, we always had fun with them, though. Uh. Here in the message center, there's a little blurb from uh, Ryan down in the bottom right corner. What did they ask you? Oh, it's, it's, it, this is the meet the team section. They asked you, what are your top five Gears of War multiplayer moments? So you said one, curb, stop, curb stomping, it just never gets old. Two, shotgunning an enemy's head clean off, then watching it oh, roll yeah. down the stairs. Three, <laughs> hitting two foes with a single round from the grenade launcher and watching both explode into jibs. Four, reviving a fallen Rob Smith, then double teaming his unsuspecting assailant. And five, tagging a nearby enemy with a grenade and running away just before he exploded. Oh, yeah, but the grenade Gears tags one, were such a funny Yeah, one. Gears 1 was such a fun multiplayer time, man. It was, <laughs> mm-hmm. That was a great, great moment in history. Agreed. I don't know who this band is, <laughs> but they're just <laughs> the, the most 2000s pop punk or emo band i could i could imagine in my mind plus 44 is that the band i've never heard that seems like it yeah not familiar with them but good oh yeah look there's a go go back real quick look at that myspace.com slash plus 44 yeah yeah that's getting that's getting pretty late even for myspace parental advisory Mm -hmm. (laughs) but and then it also says edited version also available sam so Mm. (laughs) the whole family plus 44 is really for the whole family uh, there's a letter wanting, uh, <clears throat> wondering where the chess game is. Do you guys have any inside info about a chess game for the 360? I thought it would have been available already through a live marketplace since they have spades, hearts, and all the retro arcade classics. Surely there's room for chess. I asked you guys because I know you can get answers. I don't remember, but I, I guess, Ryan, there must have been a chess game on Xbox Live Arcade at some point. I'm sure at some point there was like a, you know, one of those sort of pseudo fancy 3d chess games with like a with knights and wizards and stuff as the, as the prop <laughs> battle but, chess yeah exactly stuff like that now fun fact yeah. about the letter section i ran the letter section at oxm for a long long time and uh so i i odds are i wrote most if not all of these responses oh nice did you write the letters ever though 
Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes in the pre in the pre internet days when we literally only would get let physical letters, you know, and, yeah. and some if we had, you know, we didn't get enough good ones. Sometimes it'd just be like, all right, let me just come up with something here. Well, we always like read the first issue of a magazine. It's like <laughs> as a healthy yeah. letter section. You're like, all right, yeah. <laughs> they have letters. <laughs> Uh, on the staff credits, you can see Ryan's name there as a senior editor. And then under editorial contributors, we see one Dan Stapleton. No Ooh. way. Yeah. He, yeah, I wonder what that is. It must have been. Well, I think, I think we'll see Dan, that Dan later. Dan was allergic to console and still is allergic to console. He probably asked about no, the No, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a, a period of time when some RTS games were coming to 360, like Lord of the Rings, Battle for Middle Earth, and then. Uh, Command and Conquer, and I think yeah. Dan is going to preview a Command and Conquer game later in this issue. Also, Will Smith con- contributed to this issue. Not that Will Smith, the other yeah, one. Yeah. On, you follow him on Twitter. <laughs> so this is an ad for the 2006 VGA Whoa. Video Game Awards. Is this the game? Was this like the first one? Yeah. yeah. Samuel so like, L. Jackson hosting. Yeah, so because like, they were. Could be, it was all a Spike thing originally. This is the same awards that like Jeff Keighley hosts today. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They went through, they've gone through this U of like, they were huge on spike. And then there were some years that were maybe not so great. And now it's on an upswing again. Well, there's Eat, a lot. Sleep game. There's a lot happening here. It was just so some of so a generic, like punk guy with a Mohawk playing an arcade machine, even though Sam, his hands are like inside the cabinet. <laughs> insert himself he's fixing it really yeah and then really. the side art has a chimpanzee with a mohawk skeleton, a skeleton chimpanzee with crazy playing hair, a joystick yeah. yeah i mean i would watch these this was the height of photoshop in 2006 yeah um this is an ad for fear which has an ign quote say hello to the season's first fall blockbuster ign mm-hmm. top <laughs> yeah. shooter 2005 lives on i don't know about that yeah. good game though <laughs> That's what we said. Yeah, it is. It is a good game. Um, oh, here's a piece from you, Ryan. Five things you didn't know about Overlord. Huh. Oh, yeah. Overlord. I barely remember this game. <laughs> I like this game and its sequel. Uh, Me too. I, I really, I have, I have a soft spot for Overlord and Overlord too. The they're like, uh, yeah, they're like Pikmin if you played an evil, an evil guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were kind of trying to start a franchise with this thing, but then it sort of petered out. Didn't go. There was a, DS game, I think. That's also. right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Codemasters. That's right. Codemasters. Okay. Yeah. yeah this, oh, was it really a DS one? Now I want to look that up. Um, the the bottom text, the filler text is: Did you know Fables Peter Molyneux was the main man behind the PC's 1997 hit B Evil Management Sim Dungeon Keeper? What, Damon? There was an Overlord game in 2015. Which one was it? It's called I Don't <laughs> Overlord Fellowship of Evil, PlayStation Four and Xbox One. I don't remember that. Wow. I don't. It got bad. It got horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Full page ad for the Burger King games. Now creepy on multiple levels. They focus on Sneak King. They were only $3.99 with the purchase of what? Some kind of a meal at at Burger King. Yeah. And creepy on multiple levels. It works so well because you creep around on four different (laughs) levels. (laughs) Exactly. It's clever. Exactly. See, I can I can crack the code of this ad copy. Usually, they show we we show ad copy that none of us can really parse because it's from like 1984 and the references are lost to time. Yeah, and these were Xbox exclusives, were they not, Ryan? That is correct. Yes, yeah. uh, they were. These were absolute cult classics, even right 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 at the time, and they have lived on as such. 
they were developed yep. by uh, a company named Blitz that's not in uh, business anymore. But I think they did a lot of licensed games, and they probably, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure, that they made these games on the cheap, considering the console was was only one year old at this point, and they already had these. You know crazy- what's forgotten is that these were for sale at Burger King, and they're cheap, and it was fun to have these on your, on your shelf or whatever. But there was the, the other things that made a splash were the downloadable free games that were mm-hmm. based on stuff. Like one was a, like a PT Cruiser Racer. Uh, you're yeah. thinking of Yaris, the Toyota Yaris. Yaris game. racer, is that what it was? And then was there a mm-hmm. chip-based racer as well? Oh yeah, there was a Doritos uh, thing or something. There's right? a Doritos yeah, one. Doritos tubes yeah, yeah. or something. <laughs> oh, some Doritos tubes, yeah. please. Yeah, it was three 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 D Doritos, three Doritos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the puppy ones. Yeah. Uh, there's a preview of Rogue Warrior. If anyone remembers this game. Oh, yeah. I remember the guide for that one. I didn't do it, but I remember working. It's kind of infamous for just being for being terrible, but also having a, its fans and like being yeah. kind of a cult classic. Yeah, and we have two big fans on staff that I will not name, but Rogue Warrior 2 especially, <laughs> I think. Oh, is, well, is that one? And so did the original Rogue Warrior not have um, – it had some voice talent, some notable voice talent. His name escapes me. He was in Sin City. Janky, it looks. It looks so funny. Yeah, I can't. Well, remember. and and the uh, if you look the, over there on the left rail, the publisher information. This was back. This was right when Bethesda was first starting to publish games. In addition to wow. developing them, Bethesda published this. That's right. Yeah. yeah. What was the game with like the lady assassin that they published, like Scarlet? Oh or yeah. Um, Is that what it was oh. called? There was a game called Wet. Wet. That, that was it. Or is that yeah. or is that THQ? I don't really no, I remember. think you nailed it. I think that's it. Yep. Uh, this preview ends up with, with first or third person perspectives, authentic weapons and gear, and all the colorful language that sailors use in real life. Rogue Warrior could be one of 2007's big contenders. I don't know. IGN gave it a 1.5. <laughs> I think OXM <laughs> hit it pretty hard, too, whenever we did review it. A 1.5? It's a 1.5 from IGN. Well, that's worse than God Hand, which we gave a low score to, but a bunch of staff members liked. This is a, a two-page ad for that Sonic the Hedgehog game. And my only question is, on the right side here, who's this human woman? <laughs> that's that's the girl he kisses. <laughs> does he kiss a human girl? I don't even know. He does uh, in one game. If it's not this yeah. one, then it's another one. I don't Sonic's like that. Sonic's girlfriend's just a lady in one of these games. It's, it's really funny. Okay, and also, above the ESRB rating for everyone, it says, actual screenshot. <laughs> 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 What it what here is an actual screenshot? <laughs> it's an amalgamation of a few screenshots. <laughs> yeah. this, sure. this this just proves you can just say that oh. whenever you want. It I'm says so it, in the it top says right it more than once. That, yeah, it says it in the that, top too about mansion. Yeah, actual Next screenshot. But a, apparently, Robotnik and the human girl are not an actual screenshot. <laughs> um. Yeah. If any of our uh, Sonic the Hedgehog super fans and Scoop Nation can let us know who this oh. human woman is in this game, we scared them all off years ago. Yeah, that's true. Yep. With a byline from Dan Stapleton, this Conquer Three Tiberium Wars previews from him. I guess it's an interview with EA or, or a developer on the game. Yeah, I probably played this. I think I played all those RTS games on 360. There were some good ones. I mean, I, I played all the way through Battle for Middle Earth 2, yeah, Lord of the Rings, right. on uh, on the 360, and it, it actually played well. Um, let's see. Eternal Sonata preview. Um, and then, oh, Battlefield Bad Company. This comes from you, Ryan. From me. Look yep. at that. Mm-hmm. It says it's a first look at Bad Company. Which one do people like better, Bad Company or Bad Company 2? 2, right? 
Second one, I think. Yeah. Well, okay. Stop the presses. Her name is Princess Elise, and he does kiss her in that game. <laughs> there you go. I didn't need well, to know that. <laughs> That's cursed knowledge. She's Princess Elise, keeper of the Chaos Emerald, or a Chaos Emerald, or something like that. Hmm. Does he kiss her to get the emerald? <laughs> yeah, I think so. No, I think he has to protect the emerald, emerald alongside her. But yeah, I'm sure you can look up a video of the uh, the romance scene if you'd like. No. They go on a date and stuff. It's, it was a thing. I'm good. This is a two-page ad for Final Fantasy XI online coming to Xbox 360. And I just want to note, this game is, these servers are still running today. Maybe mm-hmm. not on 360, but at least the PC ones. We had, uh, we had the beta of this on disc with the magazine at one point. Uh, and we would get emails from people way da- after the fact, like months and months later, saying... <laughs> Do you can I get another disc from you? I lost mine. The reason is because you couldn't uninstall that Final Fantasy XI beta without the disc. Like you needed to put oh, the disc, wow. the beta disc in to remove the beta. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and we did not have a very large like back, you know, backroom stash of extra discs. Wow. And here's a huge review we of, go. of Gears of War. It's a, it's quite, quite oh, Dan disparate. reviewed this. Okay, yeah. Oh, I like Ryan. I like you. You gave a, you attributed the design of the review to the actual designer, Julian, art director. Yeah, Julian, Julian Brown. Brown is extremely cool. talented. Well, needless to say, you liked um, Gears of War very much. Real quick, as an aside, it, here sandwiched in in this review is an ad for Xbox Live Prime Time. Ryan, do you remember what that was? Nope. Xbox.com <laughs> slash primetime. It says a world of options and then it's just accessories for 360, but yeah. I don't, I don't uh, know what it's about. It looks like it's, it's, I thought it would be TV related, but it's not. There's like a dr- driving wheel. Well, and, yeah. The, that headset, the wireless headset was really good. The HD DVD player, of course, yeah. didn't, didn't well last that long because HD DVD didn't last that long. Is it pictured long. here? Is it the thing in the yeah, lower the, bottom, the, the sort of seven o'clock positions down there. Yeah. Yeah, to the left of the Xbox Live yeah. card. Yeah, the media remote, yeah, vision camera, all that stuff. That remote was cool. Oh yeah. One quote in the Gears of War review: "Much of Gears of War looks like it was shot on location in Iraq." Mm, I don't know yeah. about that. It was kind of the start of the every video game is brown phase. Yeah, and saturated, and yeah. yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and also sort of deliberate, maybe with its camera and. and you know, how it pulled in on you when you roadie ran and yada, yada. So, yeah. Uh, wow, this is a really long uh, review. You gave it a 10. Give it a 10 out of 10. Yeah, I would still give it a 10. I think yeah, that review think, holds up from there. I Dan. agree. One question. Wait, Gears 1, oh, go, go I, I played a lot. I just, I just, I don't know. I played a whole lot of Gears 1, same as you, Ryan. Like me and my coworkers at the website I worked for, that was just our, that was like the peak of me playing video games online was like Halo 2 and 3 and Gears 1 just every night. Yeah, 04 to 07 or so, that that window. Yep. yep. Same here. In the verdict, he said, believe the hype, 2006's killer app delivers on its promises. Well-balanced multiplayer will drive live for months. One, it did. one negative was piecing together shreds of plot yields, only tattered answers. And then uh, a lingering question was, why do smart enemies announce that they're reloading? <laughs> reloading. Reloading. <laughs> Good question. And it's your holiday, the holiday gift guide, 2006 holiday gift guide, stuff every Xbox gamer needs. You're, you know, you need your, your keyboard, your wireless headset, uh, you know the primetime stuff. 
your 5.1 surround sound speakers. Uh, stuff every I, I rock that uh, I rock that Halo Two headset on the previous page for oh, years. Damn. That Plantronics yeah. Halo Two headset. Nice. It's a really good sound quality. Um, oh, I guess this is before uh, this is before the the keyboard attachment for the controller was released. Right? Oh yeah, that come a little bit later. That was really cool. Yeah. I thought that was actually really useful for especially for in uh, inputting codes for mm. uh, in the marketplace. Stuff every Xbox gamer wants, you know, your vision camera, the a Nyko, what a, a multi HDMI, you know, adapter, GameFly subscription. This particular I had TV. that Westinghouse HDTV on my desk at OXM for a while. Dude, oh, it's, really? it's 37 inches and $1,500. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it says the copy says this set is the one that home theater nerd and OXM senior editor Ryan McCaffrey uses on his desk. Oh, in the see, office. I even wrote it. <laughs> Look at that. You you were assigned the blurb for that one, I see. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> Listeners, we whenever we do a, awards or a top 100 list, we have to assign blurbs to people. Something I'm doing that right now. Something has I wrote Damon's done. name next to some just, just yesterday yep. or Monday. I'm writing some blurbs for And Ryan's. Justin Game of the Year award nominees. <clears throat> Stuff every Xbox gamer wants. The uh, X- Zune. The Zune, yeah. The, uh, and the, the HDDVD H- player, both on one page. Oh, yep. man. Mm-hmm. And then I, I like how one of the entries is just every game in Xbox Live Arcade. <laughs> every game. You calculated that as a value of $240 at this time. Where's where's the Zune? Oh, the lower right. Bottom right, yeah. yeah. The Zune, baby. Yeah. Custom faceplate. Oh yeah. Uh, stuff every Xbox gamer doesn't know they want. This uh, Mitsubishi Diamond Series HDTV. It's seventy three inches, sixty five hundred dollars. Wow. That would have been. Is a, it a, a rear real... projector? What is it? I can't even tell what it is. It's a, they, they're calling like, it an HDTV. It's just an yeah, LCD. I'm sure it's just yeah, yeah, well, LCD. Or... It, it would have been so big. It would have been enormous. That is big for the time, and it must have been thick. I remember our early, really large TVs at IGN were really heavy and really thick. In the bottom right corner, does this Linksys uh, router bring back memories for anyone? Because I think that's the exact Oh, yeah, I had that I had one. one of those. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Boy. That would take back. Too. How about a crystal icing iced out faceplate for your 360? Cool. $300. What? You would think faceplates would have not gone away because they're just like easy money. It's just like, why Why not do a faceplate on your system? Like I They went away They went away for the 360 when they redesigned it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, also, I guess uh, there was a 15th anniversary Reservoir Dogs DVD out that year. That movie is really old now. All right, here come the reviews that, now. That would have already looked grainy on that 72-inch television. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> uh, Sam and Justin, on their review scale, they have an 11. They went off the charts. <laughs> well, I know. Well, read the description. I know. I says, it says, unicorn <laughs> will never happen, never. But it's, you know, it's, you and have it didn't. listed. At, uh, at, at GameScoop, we say an 11 out of 10 is off the charts with a Z. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rainbow Six Vegas was done by... Who did, did I review this? this? Is this really me? long. No, this no. is Paul. Okay. I think I might have done the second one. Mm. 8, 8.5 for Rainbow Six Vegas. Yeah. Solid score. And then in the middle of... So I, you know, when I prep these magazines, I like edit out pages that we don't need to, you know, to, they're edited for time. Yeah. In the middle of this review section is this 
clearly branded segment. Oh yeah, advertorial. <laughs> yeah, the advertorial about cell cell phone games. You know, I guess it's 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 singular. The cell phone company at the time. It's probably the one who's oh, yeah. paying for this. But this is so long. And I edited so much out of it, I couldn't. It's like thirty <laughs> pages long in the middle of the review section. It's called "The New Way to Play." Our expectation hey. of what a cell phone can do has changed drafting. Blah blah blah. They're trying to get people to play and download. That, that paid the bills, man. I mean, sure, I get that. It's just it's such a long feature. I love this photo. Look at this guy in the foreground, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's having a you great got cool two thousands house too. They have yeah. disco ball. I don't Ratty think that's rug. a disco ball. But so what is it then? on the wall? <laughs> um, they have all these stats. Uh, By the way, I'll, I'll just point out for anybody that was wondering that may have the wrong idea in their head. We had, we, the OXM editorial team had nothing to do with this. Like we don't, we didn't create it. Like we didn't even, we don't even, we just get told, oh, there's going to be a, an advertorial insert in this spot, but we don't know what it is. We don't produce it. We didn't write it. So just just in case you're wondering, like that was yeah. uh, that's totally like a separate deal. But was there an internal team, like a at future? Sometimes, that yeah. Would make this. Uh, okay. some, I mean, sometimes these would get created totally externally, but yeah, it, there was also an internal team that would okay. do this. I like that rug. Yeah. Sorry, just... <laughs> there's at least stats. Twenty five percent of cell phone owners play games on their handset at least once a month. Oh no! Yeah, the average video game age uh, age of a gamer is thirty three. Blah 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 blah. You may never talk again once you play games like Texas Hold'em, Call of Duty Two, Top Gun, Gulf Crisis, and True Crime: Streets of L.A. On what is Sunday. that Call of Duty like? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would love I, to see that I've, Call of Duty. I played all those games. This is the era when I first started doing mobile game stuff. Two thousand six, actually. That's the exact year. So was I, it Call um, of Duty? Yep. Was it like yeah? It was a Mm, it was like top down. Okay. Um, <laughs> Commando. An Akari Warrior. Yeah, like, like. Com- yep, like Commando. Yeah, it was an Akari Warriors. Like, cool. Yeah, I, I mean, remember all of these. It's funny. And we used to, the, the way that we had to review them, by the way, is they would mail me a phone loaded up with like their six or seven latest games, and I would play them and review them, and then have to return the phone. It's easy to laugh at this stuff, but like, as we've talked before, these games are probably just gone now, right? They're gone. Oh, sure. And, including gone. John Romero worked on a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, Just wait for Digital Eclipse to collect them all. Paris Hilton had her puzzle game, Paris Hilton's Diamond Quest. There was a Luminez mobile game, apparently. Uh, Yeah. I did not remember that. And then, Ryan, there's Splinter Cell Double Agent. (laughs) (laughs) The ultimate port of Splinter Cell Double Agent. Yeah. Like I said, I cut a lot of this out, but it just keeps going on and on. Say goodbye to boredom, no matter where you are. Entertainment is as close as your wireless phone. Cart. Oh, yeah. You can play. Top 10 places to play. The commute, hanging with friends, waiting rooms, car trips, lines, school, nice. doing laundry at the gym, the airport, and my favorite is number 10. Anytime. Anytime. We don't, we don't need you to explain this to us. It keeps wait, going. Wait, wait. I didn't know I could stir pasta and game. Yeah. It keeps going. What is a gamer? Blah, blah, blah. Games are for everyone. Can't decide what to try. Here's all the different genres of games. 32% of heads of households report that they play games on wireless <laughs> devices. Here's what's insane about this is like, it, it's like, it seems very well done, right? Like it's informative and it's not trying to be gross. Like what, like it's okay. Like on the scale of advertorials, like yeah. it's got all these stats in it and like, it seems really well composed, but they stuck it like right in the middle of an Xbox magazine yeah. that like who, 
nobody that read that magazine is like, hmm, yes. Do you think it would have been a spread across all of the future mags? Like, in probably. Sometimes. Yeah, like sometimes. That. It just like depends on flyer kind of. Yeah, but uh, I will say in our defense, this something like that goes on this long would have been exceedingly rare. Like this did yeah. not happen very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, that concludes that. And we're back to the reviews. Evo 7 got a seven and a half. Reservoir Dogs, the game, got a four. <laughs> this is a time ah, when every... I actually don't remember that that existed. Every tangentially related gangster property was getting an open world GTA-like game. Godfather, Scarface. Yeah, I remember Scarface. I reviewed Scarface, The World is Yours, and the producer on that game literally still hates me to this day for oh, the 4.5 I gave that game. Oh, no. Uh, you reviewed the Burger King games. Big Bumpin' got a five. <laughs> Sneak King got a six. And Pocket Bike Racer got a 6.5. Apparently, that's the best one. Yeah, Not bad. Yeah, you go. Ryan, you reviewed Doom on Xbox Live oh, the, Arcade. Yeah, they ported the uh, original, of course, to Xbox Live Arcade. Yeah. You gave it an eight. It's still great. It's still yeah. great today. Oh, yeah. Uh, Doom, Doom and Doom 2 are still super fun to play today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dig Dug got a 7.5. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where have you Dig Dug? Mm, Corey Cohen? That's our managing editor. Yeah. Nice. 2007, the best gaming year ever. You're going to get Shadowrun, Lost Planet, Crackdown 2 Human, Bioshock, Halo 3, Forza Motorsport 2, Mass Effect, Lost Odyssey, Blue Dragon. It was a really good year. What a a lineup, man. Even those like games that didn't pan out in the end were just so exciting to cover and play at the time, like Lost Odyssey and Blue Dragon. Yeah, they were all new and fun. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It just felt good. This is your little aside, your filler at the bottom of the page. Uh, some superb-looking non-exclusive games for next year include Grand Theft Auto 4. <laughs> <laughs> the Darkness. That one didn't happen. Yeah, that got delayed. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, that was an 08 game. Yeah, that's right. Where was Too Human at this time? Uh, uh, probably maybe. busy getting delayed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that it, one would It took be. a while to come out. Yeah. Well, they made it Well, that human. was a demo I played on, on probably download. I think it was a significant <laughs> download. They made a two human two, right? No, they never got, they never oh, made they never it past what they planned a trilogy and didn't okay. get past the first game. I mean, there's potentially an eternal darkness in development right now. Also, right. Is that true? Yeah. There was like a crowdsourced eternal oh. darkness that we were. Well, spiritual successor. Ago? Yeah. Not nothing to do okay. with Nintendo. And, uh, the rumor mill or inbox, whatever you want to call this here. Oh, what? this, I wrote oh, this section. This was this like cool. our, uh, this was like, kind of a more like a maxim type like hey let's have funny little one-off stories that we can make Mm -hmm. little jokes about yeah well there was a leak a file containing art from a number of upcoming ubisoft titles many of which had not yet been announced among the revelations were the name and location of splinter cell 5 conviction Mm -hmm. uh, in washington dc and then there was a new prince of persia that'd be the 2008 one with the sort of cell shaded style another entry in the far cry series far cry 3 I think. I guess. Uh, no. No? Two. Be Far Cry. Two? Mm-hmm. Three wasn't until after 2010. Okay. Something called Surf's Up, Sean White Snowboarding, and a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game based on the upcoming CGI animated movie. And then I guess a year, the, the defective Xbox 360s were a story already just one year into the, into the lifespan. It didn't take long. Yeah. Yeah, we have a whole blurb yeah. about how they're going to be uh, free repairs for all consoles manufactured in 2005 
And then later on, they would expand that, I think. And IGN would start a very rude podcast called Three Red Lights. <laughs> That's really true. That's true. Uh, well, hey, wait, go back and read the blurb. If you read the blurb at the second half where it says, think Sony starting think there. So- oh, yeah. Think Sony will do the same on their HDTV price system or that Nintendo will foot the medical bills whenever little Billy pokes his kid sister's <laughs> eye out with a Wiimote. I don't think so. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Uh, you said Xbox is considering an import section of Xbox Live Arcade. In an interview with gaming website Gamasutra, XBLA group manager Greg Canessa expressed enthusiasm at the possibility of offering Japanese and other foreign offerings for gamers to enjoy. Don't think that ever happened, but it's a neat idea. What's the Weird Al thing? Uh, no, I actually don't know. Something about Zune. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's something about Zune. You can, use, you can use Xbox Live points to buy songs in your Zune MP3 player. Okay. Something like that. And then the, Great the movie, final. By the way, if you get a chance to watch the Weird Al movie, it's really fun. It's how did you watch it? It's only on the Roku channel. Yeah, I don't get that. <laughs> yeah, no but our friend brought over their Roku login and just downloaded the app and watched it. I do want to watch it. The final thing is an editorial from Jeff Keeley. The Japan problem. Just about. Yeah, he d- he was our back page columnist for a while. Interesting. Interesting. And then the final little uh, blurb at the bottom, the filler text was, with Wii pre-orders selling out in minutes and huge launch day anticipation building, will Nintendo suddenly be Microsoft's biggest rival? We'll see. See, indeed. And that's the holiday issue of the holiday 20, 2006 issue of official Xbox magazine. Yeah, we did 13 issues a year. The 13th one was just called the holiday issue. It was a totally regular issue of the magazine. It's not uh, numbered. At some point, they figured out, the, the bean counters figured out, hey, uh, <laughs> if you just divide 52 by four, it's 13. You know, if you take four weeks <laughs> to do a magazine. So we can get an extra issue in every year. So, nice. uh, yeah, we, we did 13 issues a year rather than 12. <laughs> and that brings us to Video Game 20 Questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Simply John in an unknown, undisclosed location. Let the questioning begin. Could this game have appeared in the 2006 holiday? Was it a holiday issue or whatever? The issue of OXM we just flipped through. It actually could have. <laughs> Uh-oh, okay. Could be Dig Dug. Could be, could be Dig Dug. <laughs> uh, was this game exclusive to a console platform? It was mm-hmm. okay and it's so we can rule out nintendo right away based well, but, on the first it, answer yeah but the way i phrased it it's like you know <laughs> i don't know like you took a shot <laughs> at the week yeah exactly so we should we should spend a question to clarify okay was this game exclusive to an xbox console it was at one time well, okay yeah. that's hmm. around oh seven or 06. Hmm. Did this start its life as an Xbox 360 game? No. Okay. Did it start its life? Well, wait. I mean, I get like, did it start its life as an original Xbox game? No. That's what? <laughs> what? Wait a second. Wait a second. So it at one time was exclusive to an Xbox console, but not the Xbox or the 360. It 
could have the appeared. Was, in- did it start its life on Xbox 360? Oh, so maybe it was one of the oh, rare I- games that got ported over. It's, uh, I don't well, know. Or, you know, Duke Nukem Forever came to mind, but that wasn't exclusive. Uh, How does was, something become an Xbox exclusive if it wasn't on Xbox originally? Well, I'm thinking about who they acquired, <laughs> like over the years. Like they, you know, they didn't always own Bungie, um, or you know, other studios. Rare. Yeah, Rare. Um, I'm still a little confused here. Yeah, so am I. Do you play as a human? No. Mm, okay, I okay. think it's a Good conquer question. game. Yeah. It could be Conquer's little Conquer Live and Reloaded or whatever it was. That's definitely a good. You're you're definitely guys are on the right track with that. Um, was this game the series? Yes. Was this game developed in Europe? Yes. I yeah. just go for it. Was this Conquer Live Whoa, and Reloaded? Hold on, hold on, hold on. You might not know the rules. <laughs> One of the rules of the game is um the fu- like yeah once we guess the name of the oh, game if we're okay, wrong we lose no no so we have we have to keep but like i think you're probably right like but we should ask some clarifying questions right. what was did this game, game first of all what is that the name of the game live and reloaded yeah and it was a and, remake it was a full rotten remake of bad fur day with multiplayer that and that's the name of it live and reloaded mm-hmm. i think so, so right game and, uh did this game feature fur shading <laughs> I don't think so. No. <laughs> oh, oh no. okay. Well, that's it. Could be perfect dark for the launch. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Was this game made by Rare? Yes, that's ten. Oh. <clears throat> well, that's yeah. It almost. I mean, well, the other one, it, it, it or it's grabbed by the ghoulies. That's Wait, the sorry. Other what was? Didn't we ask if you could play as a human? Oh yeah, you did, and they so grabbed by the ghoulies. You did play as a human. I mean, so I don't know. Like this banjo kazooie. Three, what is it called? Nuts and bolts. Uh, yeah, correct. yeah, nuts and bolts. Although that was always an Xbox exclusive, right? So I, well, and I, I think a, it didn't start. I mean, I don't know. Uh, but I, does this game star a bear and bird? Yes. <laughs> hey, does this game heavily focus on like vehicle building? No. Okay. So wait. <laughs> so I mean, Banjo Kazooie did end up on the Xbox 360 as an exclusive eventually. Yeah, I, I went back in 100 percent of that game not that so many did years this ago. Game come out originally on a cartridge. Yes. All right. So it's just Banjo Kazooie. Or or Banjo Tooie. Yes. Is this the first of, of its name in a series? No. All right. Did it come out after the year 2000? <laughs> yes, that's 15. <laughs> all right all right, all right is all right, this right, banjo tui good sir yes it is banjo nicely job Here, yeah I was that, hoping... it's usually hard for us to get at those if we don't go from the xbox backwards because if we go from the 64 we get thrown off by the year because it came out after 2000 right? yeah 2000 on nintendo 64 and then the hd version 2009 on 360 i went back and played That's... both those games mm. yeah yeah no, they were they were Set had such a high frame rate on the 360 that I felt a little woozy sometimes in them. Mm. I, ben- keep banjo- to, I keep trying to convince Tim Schafer to make a new banjo game, but oh, man. he doesn't want to because he's. Oh man, that's he's, so funny, Ryan. He's making he's making original things, which yeah. I can't blame him for. But yeah, he would be the perfect he, he and his team at Double Fine would be the perfect people to to do this. Yeah, yeah that would be good. 
I don't, I, I don't, Banjo Tooie, I think it's not as good. It's not the classic that Kazooie is. Sure. I, I, I love both of them. This one has some pretty cool heights in it. Not as many great levels, but like I really like the Fire and Ice Mountain. It's really mm-hmm. cool. This is a cool I, time. Well, multiplayer. It was a cool time when these HD versions of these Nintendo 64 yep. games were coming to Xbox Live. Like Perfect Dark was so is that's such a great version of that game. Yeah. Yep. That's what that's what I was gonna say. Even though I don't love Tui that much, it benefited so much from that port just because it ran at like 12 frames per second on the N64. This had a four-player split-screen first-person shooter mode. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It was in that era of like cramming every single thing in that you can. Yeah, this is one level I didn't like, the carnival level. It was just kind of like bland and and a lot of backtracking. A lot of it was so good. I also love the commitment to just lore and continuity in Banjo-Tooie. We're like, Mario games don't give a shit if like you played the last Mario game. Whereas like Banjo-Tooie directly follows Kazooie and like all the characters are like, like you need like, it's like, it's like a direct story sequel, which is just weird and unusual. I really crave this style of game. Like I, I just, I, I like there's there's certain itches that even like God of War scratches with like the arena exploration areas, which, you know, do it for me. But like, you know, just this just there's just so many secrets and interesting intricacies to these levels. And I really miss that um, yeah. in games in general. I mean, that's kind of what open world games are now, but it really worked compartmentalizing this one. Mm. Yeah. And we don't get these very often. Like Mario Odyssey is the last game of this type that we've well, done. Right? Yeah, exactly. Good example. Which Ryan reviewed Unfortunately, for ukulele, mm-hmm. I, I thought was just, it just didn't end up being like fun for some reason. Like it had yeah, a lot of it, great elements to it. It didn't have, yeah, I don't know if it was a budget thing, like they didn't have or, or what it was, but it just didn't get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was missing something. Anyway, nicely job. Uh, well done, everyone. Thank you for the suggestion. John, viewers, listeners, if you have your own suggestions for Video Game 20 questions, email them to me at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. And that is all the scoops that we have for you this week. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Justin. Thank you to Ryan for joining us today. Uh, everybody check out Podcast Unlocked, if you have not before. Uh, another excellent podcast hosted by Ryan. Indeed. Thank you to Tayo, working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. My name is Damon. This is IGN Game Scoop, and we're out.